Welcome to the Jonathan Shuttlesworth podcast. To stay connected, go to revivaltoday.com. And now, here is Evangelist Jonathan. We're going to part two of what we began uh, yesterday morning, which we've titled, Can a Christian Be Demon-Possessed? Examining Generational Curses and Spiritual Warfare from Scripture. Numbers chapter, chapter 23. Verse 13, Numbers 23, 13. I'll give you a second to turn there. Welcome everybody that's watching online. You can share the broadcast, help ruin somebody's day. <laughs> Numbers 23, 13. The Bible says, then King Balak told him, and him is Balaam, who the Bible says in the book of Jude was a wicked person who deceived people for money. So then obviously operate at a high level. If the king knows I want to curse a group of people, this is the guy that I go to. Come with me to another place. There you will see another part of the nation of Israel, but not all of them. Curse at least that many. So Balak took Balaam to the plateau of Zophim on Pisgah Peak. He built seven altars there and offered a young bull and a ram on each altar. Then Balaam said to the king, Stand here by your burnt offering while I go over there to meet the Lord. And the Lord met Balaam and gave him this message. Then he said, go back to Balak and give him my message. So Balaam returned and found the king standing beside his burnt offerings with all the officials of Moab. What did the Lord say? Balak asked eagerly. This was the message Balaam delivered. Rise up, Balak, and listen. Hear me, son of Zippor. God is not a man, so he doesn't lie. He's not a... He's not human, so he doesn't change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and carried it through and not carried it through? So that, uh, I told you that one older minister that I, I love, he lives in Texas. He's close to 80 years old. He considers that the key scripture of the Bible. And I talked about how when you have full gospel denominations that like the, uh, they basically, whether you do four square assemblies of God, church of God in Christ, they pretty much have the same doctrine and, uh, you know, split off each other for different reasons. Some was just regional. I think Church of God in Christ and Assemblies of God separated in the beginning because of the down south with, with how harsh it was with segregation. They felt they'd make more progress if they had black leadership and white leadership separated. But their doctrine's the same. Now, you would think if you were going to put, if you were going to put number one, what the, what the chief belief needs to be of a believer or church that we unite upon, what would you put? Well, you would think it'd be that Jesus died on the cross or that Jesus is the son of God, but none of them chose that as their number one piece of doctrine because the number one has to be that number's 2319. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should change his mind. And coupled with the New Testament, all scripture is inspired by God. This is all God breathed because when you start you know, I could put video clips up if I took the time to do it. I, I just don't feel like it. Of people on Sundays preaching horrible things, you know, about, well, yes, but that, that was only said six times in the New Testament. Jesus never touched that subject. It doesn't matter whether Jesus touched it or not. It doesn't say the gospels, the way some people talk, well, if Jesus didn't, if Jesus didn't mention it, then we don't need to preach on it. Okay, then rip 62 books out of your Bible then. Amen. Say out loud, all scripture is inspired by God. Yeah, the black letters are no more inspired than the, than the red letters. Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, all scripture is inspired by God. I even like the cover that says Holy Bible. 
Amen. So I say that because, and I'm in a full gospel church, I'm a full gospel minister. No one has a lighter regard for the Bible than charismatic full gospel people. Probably, maybe, maybe the Church of England might have them beat now, or uh, Church of Christ, because they, they don't believe all Scripture is inspired. People like manifestations. People want to come and, you know, if somebody just preached and zipped their Bible up, they can I also have prayer? They don't actually believe that there's any power in God's Word, and they don't have a high place for God's Word. So when we get into this subject of can a Christian be demon-possessed, you would be surprised how many people, they don't care what the Bible says. Well, I, I had a cousin, and he was a Christian, and, and he was demon-possessed, and I know what I saw. Are you the record keeper of the Lamb's Book of Life? You know that your cousin was a Christian? The, the angel lets you look inside the Lamb's Book of Life every morning to make sure everybody's name's still in there? The, 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 the arrogance and stupidity to believe you know who's a Christian. When people say, can a Christian be demon-possessed? Well, I know this one man. He was faithful to church. Do you know? Now, I'm not trying to... to I know it's early in the morning. Young people are here. This just happened two weeks ago. I could put, this is on video. That a pastor had to apologize. I played it on one of my broadcasts. Because somebody leaked. This is a full gospel pastor. Somebody leaked a sex tape uh, online. So then I thought, well, man, that's a shame. It was with another guy. Then it comes out that the reason the guy leaked the sex tape is he got upset because he found out he was having sex with other men in the church and not just him. So now if that had, yeah, I knew everybody would gasp. Like it's 1890. Say what? I mean, you're in Oregon. You think you'd be a little used to it by now. I basically blame you for the whole thing. No, I'm kidding. So, so I say that because if, let's say, let's say that pastor demonically manifested in the pulpit the week before that tape came out. Nobody knew any of that. You know, it's, you only know what went wrong in people's lives when it gets exposed. You don't know what hasn't been exposed. So, so people would say, well, you know, they say a Christian can't be demon-possessed. Our pastor, we had to cast the demon out of him. He's a pastor. Yes. And when he's not a pastor, he's doing other things during the week that he's on his way straight to hell and engaging in, in sins that the Bible says carry a greater penalty than other sins. Yeah. So it is, you know, the first thing when you say, can a Christian be demon-possessed, I'm going to show you from the Bible why you can't. And we go, no, I know. I, I, I have a friend. They were a Christian. You don't know anything. You don't know who's a Christian or who's not. How, what, 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 how long of a list do you want to go down? You had a pastor from Orlando, the Orlando area, Apopka, Florida, if you want to be specific, that they found overdosed on drugs in a New York City hotel room Sunday night, dead. He, and, and they could tell it was a party. People cleaned up and left. That's the kind of friends you make when you're on drugs. That if you die, everybody just gets out and make sure they don't get arrested. That was Sunday night in New York. He pastored in Orlando. He preached that morning. So you know what that means? He had a plane ticket booked to go party in Manhattan and do drugs. Had all that planned. Do you think that was the first Sunday he was doing that? And I'm not dealing with church people. I'm dealing with church leadership. And I'm not doing it to implant the idea in your head that everybody's living a double life. What I'm saying is it is foolish and stupid and arrogant to say, I know so-and-so is a Christian and I know they were demon-possessed. There's a man that I love his ministry. He's passed on. But e even what he said, he said, I used to teach that a Christian can't be demon-possessed until one day I had a lady in my church who, who was a Sunday school leader. And she manifested. She was faithful to church. She taught Sunday school. And I cast the devil out of her. So I, I, I realized that a Christian can be demon-possessed. But then when he tells the story, 
after he cast the devil out of her, he said, what happened? She said, this is in the 1980s. I was hearing all this stuff about pornography and how it was affecting people's lives. So, you know, 1980s is before the internet. She, she said, I went down to a triple X theater to see what all the, the commotion was about so that I could teach against it. That's called deception. I don't have to snort meth off a biker's switchblade to preach against drugs. I mean, you know, if you've never experienced it, you can't really talk to that crowd. No, then Jesus wouldn't have been able to minister to anybody because Jesus never sinned. Can you say amen? amen? So she said, when I went there, when I walked through the door is when I felt it enter into me. Well, you, you can split theological hairs if you want, but in my opinion, I mean, we're, we're going to get into a whole, whole other thing. God's not going to put anybody in a full Nelson and drag them across the pearly gates. My salvation is very secure on God's end. But if I choose to turn my back on God, and go live in sin. I mean, you can't even get into this stuff without getting into a lot of other things. There's, there's a well-known preacher whose ministry is shriveling up and dying as we speak. And uh, he made news again because he was preaching on, on Sunday. Nobody's going to go to hell over sin. Because Jesus paid the price for everybody's sin. And everybody, amen. You know? No, not amen. It's not true. Well, let's read, the, let's read what the Bible says. If nobody's going go to bed, go to hell over sin, go to Revelation chapter 22. Go to Revelation 20. I guess if you're going to cover, can a Christian have a demon, then you're going to have to cover what a Christian is. Christians live a holy life. I'm sorry that got controversial in the last three years, but the Bible still says what it, what it says. Revelation twenty two. Verse fourteen. Blessed are those who wash their robes, they will be permitted to enter through the gates of the city and eat the fruit from the tree of life. Outside the city are the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers the idol worshipers, and all who love to lie. The Bible's telling you that there's behavior that if you engage in it, you're not going to make heaven. Turn to Psalm 1. Psalm 1, verse 1. Oh, the joys of those who don't follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners. Or join in with mockers. But their delight is in the law of the Lord. And they meditate on it day and night. Why are they having services in the day and night? Uh, on their word, they, he, they meditate day and night. Can you say amen? amen? Anybody have a King James Bible or New King James with Psalm 1? You mind reading that uh, verse 1 and 2 for me? Who doesn't stand with sinners or sit with the scornful? Say, I want to, I mean, this is basic Christianity. And I was taught this. I'm going to tell you something. I'm glad that my foundation, as much as the Pentecostal holiness people missed a lot. They didn't understand the blessing of God. They didn't understand perpetual victory by our covenant. 
But I'll tell you, if you're going to pick something to have as your foundation in Christianity, I'd pick holiness. Because they did teach that. My father ingrained that into me by his preaching. I mean, he'd write it in the, in the Bibles that he bought for me. This book will keep you from sin, and sin will keep you from this book. There, anybody ever hear Dr. Lester Summerall? He had a bunch of miracles one meeting in upstate New York. And the pastor said, what's the secret to your having this many miracles? He said, uh, I'll tell you back in your office. So they walk back to the office. Dr. Summerall tells them to close the door. He gets out a notepad and pen. And uh, he said, you want to know what the secret to having all these miracles are? And he said, I do. Lester Summerall went, don't sin. <laughs> Say this out loud. Holiness, Holiness. Carries, its own reward. carries its own reward. And then the Bible tells you there in Psalm 1 that if you're going to live a holy life, there's certain places you don't stand like a triple X theater. You know, you can follow me on Instagram the rest of the year and next year, too. Count how many stories I've uploaded of me at a Taylor Swift concert with the flashlight on my phone on like this. You're saying you don't do that because it's a... No, I don't do it because I'm a heterosexual 42-year-old man. But the point is, I'm not going out into the world for my entertainment. I, I, I live holy. I, I, you know what my plans are in Oregon this week? Preach in the morning, get ready to preach at night, go to sleep, repeat. I'm here to minister. There's no time. Last night I went to sleep. I didn't even get my suit coat off. I didn't even get my overcoat off. I, I woke up with my shoes on. Made, just made it to bed. I went to Dutch Brothers. That gave me enough energy to make it to the covers. Amen. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm expending my energy for the work of the Lord. Now, this new teaching that teaches you, I'm going to tell you the problem with it. Because it's like many things the devil teaches. It's partially true and partially false. How many of you know we didn't do anything to earn our way into salvation, so we can't do anything in our actions to disqualify ourselves from our salvation? Amen. That's bull crap. I'd be careful about what you say this morning about that's right too, because I'm going in a different direction than you think I'm going. Turn to, turn to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians 6. <laughs> Sorry, uh, once you get to 6, go three paragraphs up to 516. So I say, Galatians 5.16, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. Now, when you get into this thing of demonic warfare that people like to talk about, basically, the main problem is people have confused the works of the flesh with being demon-possessed. And Americans love to blame somebody. You know, I'm poor because of slavery 200 years ago. Meanwhile, I live in a state where slavery was never legal. No one owned slaves. But I'm going to blame that. I'm going to blame the system. I'm going to blame my dad. My dad walked out on us when I was a kid. Well, you're in your early 70s. Maybe it's time to turn the page. Can you say amen? amen. People love to blame somebody else. So they love something that gives them a pass. I have, a, I have a generational curse. Do you? Even if you did, 
Tell me a curse that the blood of Jesus can't break. If you had every generational curse there was, you're 10 steps to an altar away from having every one of them permanently broken off of your life forever, never to have them come back. Can you say amen? amen? Yeah, the works of the flesh. Did you know that war and warfare in the New Testament is never used in conjunction with the devil or demon spirits? Yeah, and a tumbleweed blows in and crickets chirp. I mean, no, we're in a battle against the, de- for the, the forces of darkness. No, the forces of darkness have been dethroned and placed under our feet. We're not in a war against the devil. The devil lost the war 2,000 years ago, and the church has dominion over all the power of the devil. Can you say amen? People mistake bad decisions with, with, with a whatever, whatever, generational curse. Now think of it. Think of this. And I'm a full gospel spirit-filled minister, and the people that would argue with me about demon, I, you know, I write stuff like this. People say, I have a deliverance ministry, so you're against deliverance? Maybe you do have, maybe Christians can be possessed by a demon of poor reading comprehension or not being able to process words. At what point have I said I don't believe in casting out devils? At what point did I say that demons aren't real? What I'm saying is when you become a Christian, there is somebody who lives on the inside of you named Jesus Christ. He doesn't share an apartment with the devil. If he comes in, the devil and everything to do with the devil has to move out in Jesus' mighty name. But I'll post that. I'll post that, you know, I'll post stuff like this. So you're saying you don't believe in deliverance? Have you, do you even know who I am? I'm sorry you can't read and put sentences together. I never said any of that. Now let's talk, and I'm not a psychologist, but let's talk about learned behavior. If you grew up in a home where every time your dad got mad at your mom, stuff started breaking and F-words started flying, you're going to have to put a guard on yourself that when you're married, and you feel upset, I'm not going to copy that pattern of behavior that I learned from my father and mother. I'm going to treat my wife with respect. If she makes tuna casserole two nights in the row, I'm not going to grab her by the back of the hair and start slamming her into the cupboards. Amen. Hopefully that wasn't a word for somebody. But if it was, you need to quit doing it because it's a felony. Amen. So yeah, what a lot of people call generational curses, they've learned patterns of behavior from their family. You don't want to make me mad. I'm a McCarthy. Well, you should, you should change that confession. But the Bible says anger dwells in the bosom of a fool. Amen. You know, I'm, I'm Irish. I have a temper. Well, now you're in the kingdom, so lose the temper. You know, I'm Jamaican. We drink. Well, you should join the kingdom of God and put wine and alcohol away. Can you say Amen. So if you're going to cling to patterns of behavior you learned growing up, and, and, and that's really what you break. People don't battle a demon of poverty. They battle things they learned from their mom and dad about how to be lazy or, or, or get a job that should be a, a, a short-time job in college and not a career and not have enough money. You know, I battle a demon of poverty, and I need the demon of debt broken. Did a demon go on Amazon and order all that stuff? Did a demon overpower your hand and click, click the fill cart and then deliver? No. You did that. Learn to take responsibility for your own life. Say this out loud. God is not to blame. I'll make it stronger. Say God is never to blame. And say the devil 
is too small to enter the conversation. He's under my feet. He doesn't have power to order things on Amazon that I can't pay for. He doesn't have power to make me drink. Think of this. In 21 year, 22 years now, no, 21 years of full-time preaching, all the people that have ever lifted their hands to receive Jesus Christ in a service, and then I gave the altar call to come up. Do you know never one time did I have a puff of smoke appear in the aisle and a demon manifest and block them and push them back to their seat? Do you know that? Every time someone lifted their hand to make Jesus Christ their Lord and Savior and went to walk to the aisle, they walked up, including a man who came to a meeting in Northern California dressed in a full dress, full face, full of makeup. And his mother, I found, you know, his mother's a minister. That's the devil. You know that guy that works for the Biden administration that got arrested for stealing suitcases with the shaved head and the red lipstick and he'd wear a dress? Do you know his parents are Baptist missionaries? That's why I don't go slamming those people online because... That his parents, I'm sure, are heartbroken. The devil's trying to, 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 where they can never have a peaceful day thinking of that. Ah, you're going over to win people for Christ. What about your own son? Yeah. So that's how this guy was. And I knew. He dressed like that. He was glaring at me. He wanted me to go. I can't believe some men would put makeup on their face and dress in a dress. Then he could storm out and tell his mother he went to church. I did the exact opposite. I walked up to him on the aisle, put my hand on his shoulder, cracked a couple jokes, and he laughed against his will. You didn't want to laugh at him. <laughs> then I, I finished preaching, and I did see the spiritual struggle. I said, if anybody's here and you want to receive Jesus Christ, he was crying already. And I saw, it's the only time I've ever seen it like this. You'd have thought he was holding like a 75-pound kettlebell. That's where the war was. Choose you this day whom you will serve. I saw him put, putting his hand up. And then he pushed, and then he put it up. And you could, you could tell that, that when his hand went up, and he made his decision, that, that broke that thing. Then I, I had everybody make their public commitment. Well, you think how somebody feels. At this point, I'm sure you're seriously regretting your choice of attire for that evening. You did that to stick it to your mother and stick it to the preacher. But now your heart's been converted, and you, you now you got to walk up to an altar dressed like that. I could feel all that. So I'm not going to make I went right up. And I grabbed him by the arm. I said, come on, I'll walk with you. And he walked up crying. I had to pause the prayer two or three times while he collected himself and dried his tears and gave me a hug. We gave him all the books. And his mother wrote me about how excited she was. Your battle that you fight in life is not over the devil. It's over your flesh. Your flesh does not want to please the spirit, but your spirit has desires that are the opposite of the flesh. So you get full of the Holy Ghost, full of the word, and make up your mind. I'm keeping my flesh in subjection under my spirit. If you make that decision today, go ahead and do what you're already doing. Clap your hands under the Lord. Somebody shout aloud, amen. amen. Yeah, your will in the earth realm is the strongest force there is because your will can shut off all of God's power. I hate you, God. I'm not going to follow your word. I'll do what I want. Then God... You have now stopped God's ability, and Jesus could do no mighty miracles there because of their unbelief. That's your decision. Where was their unbelief manifested? They chose not to believe that he was the Messiah. Is this not the son of Joseph the carpenter and his mother Mary? Mark chapter 6, and don't his brothers and sisters dwell here among us? Now that he expects us to believe he's the son of God, he was just building bookcases as a carpenter last year. All of a sudden, he's God's son. Give me a break. 
And he could do no, and he was amazed at their unbelief and could do no mighty miracles because of their unbelief. Unbelief shut it off. Not demon power, not witch doctors, unbelief. And so how did he combat unbelief? And then when Jesus saw their unbelief, he began to pull down spirits of unbelief. No, then he went and began to teach the word. The word is the answer to the things the devil wants to bring. Yes, there is a devil. Yes, there are demons. Yes, he does things to interact with people and bind them. He possesses people. But no matter what the demonic problem is, the preaching of the word, the sword of the spirit, destroys all works of the devil. And I tell you on this Tuesday morning, I see every work of the devil being destroyed in your life today in Jesus' mighty name. Yeah, you know, I've been married uh, 17 years. And, and uh, if I got in a fight with my wife, verbally, never, never hit her. She's an NRA member. If you, you'd know if I hit my wife, because I'd have a closed casket funeral. Preacher died 58 gunshot wounds. Why'd you shoot him 58 times at Dallas? Ran out of bullets. But, but the times where I've lost my temper and yelled and said things I shouldn't have and had to apologize. And that wasn't the devil. I did that. And then when you do it, when you get angry, you feel. That's why some people enjoy being angry, because you feel a different anointing come upon you, because the Bible says anger gives a mighty foothold to the devil. You can't open the door to the devil oppressing you. But you did it. You chose. The same way you can choose by the help of God to tap into the power of God's spirit and say, I'm going to be angry, but sin not. My wife was vacuuming and disconnected my Xbox mid-game, ranked game. I was playing this mouthy kid, and I was beating him by one run on baseball. And I was solo, and then she disconnected it, so I got the loss. In my 20s, that would have been a fight. But I took my motivation and anger, and instead of going at her, I went for a walk. And I walked from Pittsburgh to St. Louis. And then on the return trip, when I got to Ohio, I felt the anger start to, to lift. And I refused to let that anger cause a problem in my marriage. Can you say amen? Used it for weight loss. Amen. Say this out loud. God's not in control of my life. Satan's not in control of my life. My decisions determine my life. There's a message very few Christians want to hear. Decisions determine destiny. Who said that? God said it. Today I set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Oh, that you would choose life. How do you choose life? You just did it this morning. This is a decision. I mean, nobody's flesh felt like going to church, including mine. I'm giving the speech. I've had people tell me, if we're looking forward to hearing you preach this morning, I feel like saying, that makes one of us. <laughs> but I don't let my flesh call the shots. Amen. I want to be in the house of the Lord, be under the word. Amen. Amen. And so, so you do that. Choose you this day. Choose life. Oh, that if I had my way, you would choose life, that you and your descendants might live. Let me keep reading. Dear brothers and uh, sorry, the page flipped. Galatians 5.16, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Even, how come he's not writing this to the Holy Spirit then? 
or the devil. He's raining it to you. It's your choice to let the Holy Spirit to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. I feel like that's an advantage that I got from my mom and dad and from, from the Pentecostal holiness side of things that has set me above my peers, even in the ministry, is my foundation is holiness. My dad, my dad is a holiness guy. My dad still won't go to the movie theater. He signed a form for the Assemblies of God in the 1970s. As a minister, you weren't allowed to go to the theater. And he's, he's kept by it because he signed it back then. And uh, I'm not telling you you can't go. To, I've been to the movie theater. I'm telling you, my dad does not flirt with sin. I lived with my dad. It's one of the reasons I take the ministry seriously. You know, when, when you're a kid growing up and you see your dad preaching real hard and praying for people, and then in the daytime, you say, why is dad not at lunch today? He's praying for the meeting tonight. You say, say, oh, this, is, this isn't like a stage show. He actually takes this seriously. My dad never ran around on my mother. My mother never ran. My mom's birthday's today. She's probably watching. Love you, mom. Happy birthday. I owe you a great debt that I'll never be able to pay off. They, my mom, my mom's a holy woman. My dad's a holy man. We, you know, one time I got ticked off at my dad. I was 14 or 15. This minister was mistreating my dad. I was, you know, 15. Uh, we should go beat the crap out of that guy. What he, what he did to you so wrong. Went behind your back, tried to write. My, my dad, my dad strongly rebuked me. Amen. Was, he quoted a scripture to me. He said, Jonathan, didn't you even read the Bible? The Bible says, with holiness, no man shall see God. But there's a second part to the verse that nobody quotes. He said, strive for peace with all men. He said, that guy, can, I was just listening to Brother Hagen this morning. On, obviously on an old broadcast because he's in heaven. What a thing to be able to say. He said, now I've been in the ministry for 62 years. He said, have you ever heard me criticize anybody? Everybody said, no. He said, you never will. He said, they're free to criticize me all they want. And they were. There was a 24-hour radio station in Tulsa, Oklahoma, that every program was just to bash him and call him a false prophet. Never would respond to it from the pulpit. He said, they're free to say whatever they want about me. I'll just pray for them. And then he said, uh, he said I made up my mind. If they go on radio and television and say, I killed my grandmother, I won't even say I didn't do it. I'll just keep preaching. Yeah, it wasn't attacking people. It wasn't, wasn't getting in, into self-defense. There's a way to live as a Christian that slams the door on the devil. The Bible says to be careful about strife, for it opens the door. Strife and division opens the door to every evil work. Did you hear what she's saying about me? Who cares? Do you see what that person posted on Facebook about me? Yeah, they have one follower. Their profile picture is a wolf with green eyes. Relax. No one likes them. No one would even read what they said if you didn't respond to it. Can you say amen? So I was taught that by my parents that holiness is the foundation for Christian living. I can tell you for 21 years on the road, I've never done anything. That's why I have Abraham with me. I, I, I not only don't go with people of the opposite sex. Sadly, nowadays you have to say same sex. But I have a witness. If some lady came out with accusations against me, I not only would deny them, I'd sue her. I'd sue her. I'd sue the lumberjack that cut the tree down that was used to make the paper to file the lawsuit. Some lady made an accusation against me, I'd say, where? Where did that happen? Because I have a witness that I was never with you ever anywhere for a meal or anything else. I'm going to sue you into the ground because that's the only language those people understand. Oh, yeah, I keep a guard on my life. Not, I mean, no, we all sin differently. Don't judge your pastor because I, I... No, that kind of attitude 
will open the door to it. You're not a Christian. A Christian does not engage in sin. And maybe, maybe that's why we have to deal with this today. Because maybe the reason that this new teachings come in that a Christian can be demon-possessed is because people haven't realized that if you claim to be a Christian, but you engage in what the Bible calls sin, you have crossed back over the bloodline of the covenant and have opened yourself back up to demon power. A Christian does not engage in the acts of sin. A Christian lives holy in victory over sin. And, And I'll quote what my dad preached. Either you're living in victory over sin, or sin is living in victory over you. And however you want to disguise it, I mean, we all sin differently, amen. And we, not, I mean, none of us are perfect. Is that what the Bible says? The Bible actually says the exact opposite. He has perfected forever those whom he has made holy. Talking about us. He has perfected forever those whom he has, not will make holy, has made holy. I'm not going to be holy in heaven. I carry God's holiness now. I carry God's righteousness now. Let me just say to every one of those backslidden bozos in my generation that call themselves ministers. I mean, you know, we didn't do anything to get our salvation. Actually, we did. There was a time where you had to make up your mind. I'm going to publicly repent. I'm going to believe in my heart. And I'm going to confess outwardly with my mouth and be baptized to be saved. There is outward works that you did to receive salvation. Though God's grace is not earned, it is triggered by outward actions of obedience as put in the scripture. So it did not fall into my lap. Just because Jesus died on the cross, it didn't give me my salvation. It gave me the opportunity to be saved. But unless you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, you can't be saved. But I made up my mind. I'm turning my back on sin. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me, rose from the dead. I believe he's the Messiah. I believe he's coming back. And all those that have that expectation will keep themselves pure under the coming of the Lord. Come on, if you've made up your mind that way, go ahead and give the Lord a great big hand clap in Salem, Oregon today. Somebody say, I'm a Christian. Say, I'm a real one. Say, I'm a Tuesday morning Christian. Oh yeah, that's a real one. Why make it your confession that I sin every day? You haven't sinned today. It hasn't been enough time. You got up half asleep, had some coffee, whatever. And it used to wake you up. Some people say if you have an apple, it actually gives you more energy than a coffee. Those people need to learn how to make coffee. (laughs) Woke up, got dressed, had some coffee. Maybe you had time to run one errand, take your kids to school or something. And then straight to church. You haven't killed anybody there. You haven't practiced witchcraft. You haven't sown, sown strife or division. There hasn't been time. So you actually can structure your life. That's why I read that Psalm 1. Where, where you stand, where you sit. You're not going to sin sitting here. And you're not going to sin with people who are sitting here. You've made a decision today to be in a certain type of building and be around a certain type of people. Different things happen in this crowd than happen in outside crowds. Can you say amen? Amen. You know, I don't stand. It's not that I I won't, if I see a sinner coming down the street, I'll cross the street. When we're in Salem, you just be zigzagging. (laughs) You end up getting hit by a bus. No, the Bible says you'd have to leave the world 
to, to avoid people like that. It's not that you deal with sinners business, but close associations, another story. I come out to the bar. I don't go to bars. Do you know how many strong ministries have been taken down in the last three years by alcohol? Taken down. No longer exist. All the pastors took the building and left the fellowship. Abandoned the guy from alcohol. Why keep a door open? Well, Bible doesn't say uh, drinking's a sin. It says getting drunk's a sin. Yeah, and it doesn't say making out with somebody else's wife's a sin. It says adultery, but use your freaking head. If you start doing the things, you keep a door open. And in fact, one of the guys that lost his ministry, I can have a drink. You know, it doesn't bother me. Yeah, when times are good. One of the guys that lost his ministry, that's what he would do. He'd have a drink with dinner. He's a grown man in his, in his 60s at the time. But the night he got arrested for DUI was the anniversary of his father's death, who founded the ministry. And so he usually had one drink with dinner. That night he had three because he was having a hard time sitting at the restaurant where his dad was usually, where he could bounce ideas off of and really his dad could help him out with the debt and everything they had. Now he's by himself. So he ordered two more, drove home, got arrested. Huge problem. Massive loss of partnership because of the open door of alcohol. Now I'm, gonna t- I'm not telling you this to brag. I'm telling you this for all the dummies that'll tell you that you can't do it. I have never had I've never ingested alcohol. I've had it touch my lips one time. I was at a Christian wedding. They did a toast. And when I went to drink, I assumed it was sparkling cider. And when I put it in my mouth, I, I had it in my mouth. I said, is this alcohol? And they said, yeah. And I went, <laughs> and I haven't been invited to too many weddings since then. <laughs> but I had a pretty good Cal Ripken-like streak going, and I wasn't throwing it out the window. So I have had alcohol touch my lips once and maybe cough syrup. But I've, I've never had beer. I've never had it. I've never had wine. I've never had champagne. Counting my wedding, counting on my uh, honeymoon when we went to an all-inclusive resort with the things stocked, and I was in Mexico. Nobody would have known. I don't care. And the more I'm around people who drink, the less I want to drink. Well, I can drink. No, you can't. You're a loud, obnoxious son of a gun. You just can't tell because you're drinking. I don't understand why Christians who have never had anything to drink are suddenly getting interested in drinking, and everybody that's been drinking that's not saved is trying to stop. Joe Rogan's trying to quit. People are having health experts on telling you to quit. If you want to build muscle and all that, the, uh, the stuff that's in beer makes you grow man boobs and fat. Alcohol's poison. Poison is poison. Even if you take poison in moderation, your body can't handle it. God didn't make a list of things that were fun in the Bible to rob you of joy in life. He made a list of things that carry a penalty with them and told you to, to push it to the side so that you can walk in, his, in the fullness of his power and enjoy a long, good life. Can you say amen? amen. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil. Paul's writing to the Galatians not about demons of sexual immorality and demons of sin. He's talking to them about their flesh. The thing you're going to battle, by the way, do you know how many people in the Bible actually had an encounter with Satan? Three, maybe four. If you count Judas where the Bible says and Satan entered into, and then Satan entered into Judas, then it's four. But I want to really call that an altercation. That's just somebody siding up with the devil. But you have three. You have Jesus that dealt and spoke with the devil. 
You have uh, Eve and you have Job. Uh, the devil's really been attacking me. I doubt he knows your name. People are going to go to heaven. You know, God, I'm sorry. The devil was attacking me. The devil's going to, can I say something? I, if you check the records, I was in Syria the whole time she was alive. The devil's not omnipresent. The devil's not God's evil counterpart. It's not like God's the good, all-powerful God, and Satan is the all-powerful, evil God. Satan is a created being. He doesn't know the future. He has limited knowledge. He has very limited power. He works by deception. The thing you're going to battle in life is not Satan. It's going to be the thing you look at every morning in the mirror. Your flesh. For the flesh wars against the spirit. The warfare you're in as a Christian is a Satan. We can't. No, it's it's this. Yeah, call a fast. Yeah, I, I I don't really understand what you're talking about. Decide to fast one day, and tell me if you know what I'm talking about by two thirty p.m. I'm hungry. You know what's interesting? If you think this stuff isn't real, some of you have fasted a day before by accident. Just got busy. Anybody ever gotten busy in the first time you ate was 7 or 7.30 p.m. First time? I mean, you did, sun, you did sun up to sundown. And you didn't, you didn't call a fast. Never felt the hunger. That's why you didn't eat. You were just focused and running around. But then if you call a fast, that'll never happen. <laughs> ever. You know, around 2 o'clock. There's a, it's like a Rottweiler on a leash. Fast tomorrow. Must eat now. That's your flesh. The flesh wars against the spirit. Your battle is against the flesh. Then if you yield to the flesh, you can open the door to demonic oppression. And a Christian can be oppressed by the devil. What's the difference between oppression and possession? Say this out loud. Oppression outside. Possession inside. And it's a big difference. Somebody can be being buffeted by an evil spirit. And you have authority over that. But possession, I have a major, if you can't tell, I have a major problem with people telling Christians they can be possessed by the devil. A demon-focused Christian will never be victorious in any area of life. You're going to end up walking around like the third guy from the left on the evolution chart. In every service, regardless of what they're preaching, can I have prayer? I'm being attacked. I think I might have a demon. You'll never progress. That's why, did anybody watch when I did the morning services in St. Louis last week? Did anybody remember that chart I put up of where they broke down average household income by religion and denomination? Who was fourth from the bottom? Pentecostals. Yeah, because if you get the devil's attacking Devil's gonna, you will never progress. But on the flip side, if you've been watching me the last two years, do you know why we advance and take ground? I'm not praying against the devil. Jesus took care of him. I'm getting a word from the Lord, and I realize the blessing of Abraham belongs to me, and the righteous shall possess the land. I'm going forward. I'm not trying to get free. I am free by the blood of Jesus Christ that has made me free. Now, that's the other side of Pentecost. I was telling you the good sides. The bad sides where they, they gave the devil so much power. Somebody get up to open the service up. Satan, we bind you in the name of Jesus. 
Eight minutes later, come to give announcements. Satan, we bind you in the name of Jesus. Before I preach tonight, let me just take a moment and pray. Satan, we come against you and bind you. I was nine years old thinking, if this sucker is that slippery, that he can get loose every 15 minutes, we're in major trouble. But Jesus already stripped him of all his power and put him under my feet. Yeah, he has power in his kingdom, but I'm above his kingdom. I told you about killing that ant yesterday. I didn't start wondering. I hope the other ants don't find out. No, I'm going to be in for a war now. That ant kingdom's not going to be happy that I took. No. Bring all your ant cousins. I'll kill every last one of you. I'll put your heads on little toothpicks as a sign to other ants and insects of what happens if you come in this house. Be like some kind of ant warlord. Amen. Like a little ant blood. No. Me and, me and those ants aren't in the same kingdom. And you shouldn't have come in my house, and I want to take you out. I'm not, how, how can you read, these signs shall follow them that believe in, the, in, in my name. They'll, they, Christians, will cast out devils and then think you need one cast out of you. Say this out loud. I don't have devils. I cast out devils. Close both eyes and say it from your spirit. I don't have devils. I cast out devils. You want to listen to it? Go, go listen to whatever you want. Go listen to some single woman kook that's been married five times talking to you about generational curses. Knock yourself out. You can tell a tree by its fruit. I keep my marriage together. I got money in the bank. My bills are paid. I can function in society. But pick who you want to follow. Sometimes. Every last one of these. I won't say every one of them. Are you allowed to teach that Christians can have a demon as a man and not be effeminate? I don't see too many of them. Feminine. How many know even after we get saved, we carry demons in our soul realm that we're not aware of? Coco, coco. The Bible says, beware that no man lure you back into bondage. The blood of Jesus didn't make me sort of free. The blood of Jesus purchased my total freedom from all the power of the devil. Can you say amen? The sinful man wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting with each other. So you're not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you're directed by the Spirit, you're not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature. By the way, is Paul writing this to the citizens of Galatia or to the church of Galatia? So he's writing it to who? Believers. This isn't being shouted out in the streets of Galatia. This is written to the church where he had a powerful revival. Let me remind you. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature... The results are very clear. How can I know whether I'm following my spirit man, following the Holy Ghost, or following my flesh? The Bible says it's easy to tell. Sexual immorality. That's any sex, gay or straight, outside of marriage. A Christian cannot have, you cannot be a Christian and engage in sexual activity outside of marriage. You, it's a sin. Um. We all fall into sin. You don't fall into sex. You plan to have sex. You plan a place. You know, if you're a teenager, you don't even have your own house. 
Don't fall into sin. Are you in a park? You had planned when the parents were going to be there. I guarantee if I had both your phones, there were two or three weeks of text messages that went back and forth. One way you can always tell sin, do you ever notice even people that aren't saved hide sin? If you're baking a pie for your neighbor, you don't draw the blinds. I don't want anyone to know what I'm doing. I'm making an apple tart for my neighbor. But it's funny when people, when people go to engage in sin, even if they don't go to church, shut the lights off, close the blinds, check into a hotel under an assumed name. Why? Why not just do it? Why not be out in the open? What, what? Because people are convicted on the inside. Because something on the inside called a conscience, which until you sear it or get rid of it, will tell you you shouldn't be doing this. It's amazing. With all the indoctrination they've done in public school, if a 13 or 14-year-old or 15-year-old goes to have sex with their girlfriend, the girl will still object a little bit. Eh, I don't know. But something tells you, even though your teacher's been telling you, it's just a physical act, but it's not. If I tell my wife that I shoved the FedEx woman, she won't care. If I tell her I kissed the FedEx woman, she will care. If I told her I had an affair with, why? Why is there such a different, harsh reaction even among sinners? You slept with her? I can't believe you did. It's not a physical act. It's a spiritual covenant act that's reserved for marriage. And when you start doing that again and again and start doing something that's meant to be shared with one person in marriage, it starts ripping you apart on the inside. And people have done that because they've been lied to in the schools and in the pulpits. But today in the name of Jesus, everything the devil's used to shred you on the inside, God's going to bind up your broken heart, make you a new creature, and you're coming out of this meeting stronger than you were before in Jesus' mighty name. If you believe it, go ahead. Take 15 seconds and celebrate it. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. Everybody say constantly fighting. So I think one thing that thinks people, keeps people thinking they're sinners is because they're not free from those two forces fighting each other People have this false idea like one day I'm going to get up from the altar and I'll just have no desires of the flesh anymore. No, you'd starve to death. You have a flesh body. That flesh always, that's why the Bible calls it a living sacrifice. If it was a dead sacrifice, that'd be easy. You could just kill it and be over with. But a living sacrifice always wants to climb off the altar and has to be kept on the altar of consecration. But I have good news for you. God that never calls you to do something and then doesn't make power available to do it. If he tells you to present your whole bodies as a living sacrifice, then bless God, there is power in the spirit to present your whole body a living sacrifice to God. Let's just say a couple things. Say, I don't make room for sin. Say, I make room for the anointing. Say, I don't make room for sin. In my confession, I confess the righteousness of God in Christ. Yeah, death and life are in the power of the tongue. If your confession is we all sin every day, you're going to sin. If your confession is don't judge me because I sin differently than you, you're already making an allowance to live in sin. When somebody preaches like that, you already know that they have crossed the line. When your pulpit time is turning into a defense for your own unholy living, You've already made a decision in your mind that I'm, I'm done. 
I, I have lost the word of my flesh. I'm not even going to resist it anymore. I'm going to buy into a teaching that we all sin, and that's what HBO wants. That's what Viacom wants. That's why anytime they do a show about church or preachers, the guy's living a double life. He's a homosexual. He has a mistress on the side. The devil wants you to think that no one actually lives like this. But I'm telling you, I've been around men of God left and right. Rodney Howard Brown, my dad, my uncle Ted, Jesse Duplantis with his first wife. He doesn't have girls on that jet with him. He has one girl, his wife, Kathy. This is not a double-edged show where they do something for the crowd and then enjoy the money on sin. There are holy men and women in 2023. There are holy women in 2023. There's holy young people in 2023. You should make up your mind. I reject every lie of the devil, every religious lie that no one can live like that. I believe God's word. I'm going to walk in holiness. I'm going to be an example to my generation. And you can do it. And if you never did it before today, God, God, God forgives. This is not to condemn mistakes you've made before today. But it's to get you if you're heading in the wrong direction. The sooner you turn the ship, the better. You're never going to turn the ship. Listen to these bozos telling you. I mean, no, we didn't do anything to earn our salvation. We can't do anything to lose it. What scripture is that? You effeminate, womanizing. Some of these guys have children, three different children in their congregation from three different women. Just get up and say they're sorry and keep preaching. No child support payments. Unholy sons of guns. People don't care because then it gives a license for the congregation. They like that. If I was an adulterer, I would like to go to a church where I wouldn't have to hear anything about adultery either. If I had a mistress on the side. If I wasn't a tither, I'd love to go to a place where they said you don't have to tithe. Then I can just sit there in my sin and still be deluded into thinking I'm going to heaven. Because I'm going to tell you, the worst shape you can be in is a person that's in church on your way to hell that feels no conviction. Because I can walk into the in a biker barn, Portland, Oregon, or a biker barn, Salem. Those guys, if you now nah, preacher, I want to split hell wide open. They know they're not living right. But when somebody from the pulpit starts to tell, nah, it's cool. We all drink. Nobody lives like that. I know God said that, but that was a long time ago. Amen. It's old-fashioned. And you start going and thinking, what did Jesus say? The Pharisee said, are you calling us blind? He said, if you're blind, it wouldn't be so bad. But I'm condemning you because you're blind, but you tell people you can see. I want to tell you, I'm sorry, I'm sorry if this is a little strong for the morning, but I'm, I, I've been watching these guys my age delude my generation and 20-year-olds and 30-year-olds and 17-year-olds into thinking they can live the exact opposite of how the Bible specifically says you must live to make heaven. And they're deluding people into going to hell. And there's all kind of problems from it. I am not going to watch my generation get deceived into hell. I'm going to preach twice a day that that Bible still works today. You can still reach for it. You can still have it. And when you grab it, there's a blessing that comes from heaven that's the greatest thing there is. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. And you're not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you're directed by the Spirit, you're not under the obligation to the law of Moses. 19, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, this is Galatians 5, 19, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality. 
impurity, lustful pleasure, idolatry. That's worshiping idols. I don't have any pagan things hanging from my rearview mirror in my car. I don't buy statues when I go overseas to preach and put them up in my house. Graven images. And yeah, I understand you've heard a million sermons because for a long time there weren't pagan religions in the United States. So, you know, an idol is anything that takes the place of God. No, the Bible's talking about worshiping idols because there is demonic power that's loosed in that, especially when, they, when you get into blood sacrifice with idols and all that. It opens the door to that stuff. Christians aren't supposed to have idols. You don't call out to your ancestors. That's not in, in Christianity. And people are free to disagree with me, but I guarantee you, anybody that disagrees with anyone, anything I say, see if they still have a ministry in 10 years. They will not have one. I'm not saying because I'm cursing them. I'm telling you, I've watched this cycle. When you get into bad doctrine, you get the, the cord pulled on you. What I am preaching you is what Lester Sumrall would have preached. It's what R.W. Schambach preached. It's what Kenneth Hagin preached. It's what John G. Lake preached. What did Smith Wigglesworth preach? Everybody wants to get into him raising the dead. Did he preach loose living? Did he preach we all sin? Or was there a fire in his bones that was against unholiness and wickedness and it carried over into every realm? Idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling. Everybody say hostility and quarreling. Should cause no problems for your pastor ever. What do you think about what he said? Shut up. <laughs> Quarreling, jealousy. They use her to do the main part of the worship song. I'm actually a better soprano than she is. Yeah, you're on your way to hell. What is this? The MTV video? It's, it's a worship service on Sunday morning at a church in Oregon. Relax. There's no record executives in the crowd looking to discover the next big star. <laughs> Jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition. That's how Lucifer lost heaven. I will ascend and be like the most I got. I, I'm, I'm one of the three head angels, but it's not good enough for me. I want to go higher. Dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties. And other sins like these. How many of you know we didn't do anything to earn our way into our salvation? There's nothing we can do to lose it. Oh, yeah? Let me tell you again. Who's the you? The citizens of Galatia or the Christians in Galatia? Let me tell you again, as I have before. Anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. There are actions you can take that destroy your covenant relationship with God. And if I'm the only one that tells you, if you stick with what I tell you, you'll end up in heaven. If you watch the people that tell you the opposite, I mean, you got a guy one state north of here, around my age. He's big on grace, and you, don't, you can sin. Then when they overturn Roe versus Wade, his wife does an interview about how embarrassed she is. That Roe versus Wade was overturned and we need abortion. I'm telling you, when people start preaching an excuse for sin, I'm a preacher's kid. I've watched it for 30, 35 conscious years. When people start making allowance for sin or even talking light about sin. There was a well-known preacher in Colorado. He had one of the biggest churches in the country. And he got found buying meth 
from a male prostitute in a hotel room. He's married and everything. Big church. Well, years before that, my dad told me, watch that guy. He's going to go down. You know why? He, he introduced John Bevere to preach. And when he introduced me, he said, his name's John Bevere. We call him John Severe. He's a little hard on holiness and, and not sinning. <laughs> and everybody laughed. My dad said when he said it, he said, watch, that guy's got a problem. It'll come out later. Because wow. people who live holy don't mock holiness. But when you're in sin, rather than repent, you know, those guys take it too far. I don't think you have to do that. You watch. There's a guy. I mean, how many do you want to go through? There's another guy in Colorado. He, he, he was out of the pulpit for two years and just came back in. When he would do his live stream, he had in his pastor's office a bunch of three-quarter empty, half empty, a, a, a quarter empty, hard liquor bottles. You can't casually drink hard liquor. A shot of alcohol, unless you're seven foot one, 400 pounds. You know, I just, I just had two shots of tequila. I'm good to drive. Yeah, into a guardrail. So he, he has all that just publicly behind him, making fun. He's in Colorado. When Colorado is one of the first places to legalize weed. You know, I smoke. A lot of people on our pastoral staff smoke. There's no Bibles verses about that. Actually, intoxication of all forms is condemned in the Bible. Yeah. I know there's such a long list of people that started getting into drugs in the ministry that then their ministry took off. But believe me, I'm right. So he's, 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 and he's mocking it. Hey, we drink. It's no big deal. Bible doesn't say you can't drink. Jesus turned water into wine. Well, then he gets in legal trouble, has to step out of the platform for two years because of abusive behavior towards his staff. Yeah. When you're walking around the halls of your staff, I mean, Pastor Lou's a, a senior pastor. So am I. There's times you feel like clocking somebody when you're sober. <laughs> you start introducing stuff into your system that takes your inhibitions down. Just start, they said he'd walk around yelling and cursing. That's alcohol. Alcohol does not. If we pass the mic around right now, there would be 10 to 20 to 30 people that could tell horror stories of what it was like growing up in your home because of one thing, alcohol. I've heard people say it. My dad was a good guy, but when he started drinking, he turned into another man. Yeah. That's why they call it spirits. It opens the door to, to, the, to the demonic. I mean, do you ever know? I haven't done it, but I know people. You ever met anybody that have done LSD or those type of drugs that are sitting three people having the same conversation with a frog-like entity that's telling them things? Oh, yeah. It opens the door to the wrong side of the supernatural. And so you have people on the one side that were in that that got delivered from it or going out, now you have ministers trying to lead people into it. I am telling every person that's here, I'm telling the thousands of you that are going to watch online, I would make up my mind today. I'm going to live holy. I'm going to buck every fad in my generation that supports sin and, and, and loose living. I'm going to keep my garments white to the coming of the Lord. If I'm going to get mocked for it, then mock away. But I'm going to have a clean robe when that trumpet is sounded. If that sounds like you, shout a loud amen. amen. Anyone who does these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. I mean, no, there's nothing we can do. What do you do with that scripture? You dummy.
But I'm not talking about people. I'm talking about preachers. I, I, I call your name, but it's not worth calling. Should pray you don't ever meet me in person. You think I'm talking just because we're not in the same room? You should see me if we were in the same room. I'd scare the devil out of you. You little punk. False prophet. How many, how many times are you going to say that Trump's going to flip the election before you realize you actually don't hear anything from God? Trump will be in the White House July of 2021. Mark it down. Marked it down. He's not there. There's another guy. When that hurricane was getting ready to hit Tampa, there was a 100% chance of that hurricane hitting Tampa. Pastor Rodney Howard Brown, he's an interesting guy. He didn't allow the students to leave and called a prayer meeting to pray the hurricane away. I've never seen young people in America pray like West Africans before. You know, you pray different when you're going to die. Oh, God. I mean, they're at ground zero. No one has Doritos. No one's drinking. Oh, God. And they prayed it away. One of these guys posts, you know, he posted this on Instagram. They're one of these prophets, so-called prophets. There's a lot of real prophets, but there's also a lot of phonies. He posted when it was, when the Weather Channel had it at 100% that it was going to hit Tampa. The Lord showed me in March of 2021 that Tampa, the streets of Tampa were going to be filled with water. So then four hours later, the st- storm changes course, and it misses, completely missed Tampa. And I commented on his Instagram, swing and a miss. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit. So here's how you tell who's winning the battle, the flesh or the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. You know, you, you, your pastor, if you go to church here, Pastor Lou, he's a great example of this because he's a big, strong man. But then you said last night, he's as tender as can be. No desire to hurt anybody. Full of love. You know, it's like the exterior is the exact opposite of the interior. <laughs> what, about when, what about when Antifa came to your church and that guy's yelling at him? What did he do? Walk up and break his jaw? He could have. Those Antifa guys, I don't even think they let you join if you're over 130 pounds. <laughs> I think you have to prove that you have bone density issues before they even will give you a membership form. I feel like a lot of them would quit if you just gave them a glass of milk. Like, you know what? That's what I needed. So you got some guy, 123 pounds, 19 years old with osteoporosis, yelling curse words at the church. Pastor Lou could have broke every rib in his body with one punch. What, what did he? And he's on private property. He could have done more than that to him legally. But what did he do? His arms around him. Started praying in tongues out of love. And the kid broke down and started weeping. The devil left. And he said, where am I? Yeah. That, everybody say gentleness. gentleness. Everybody say peace. peace. So it's not that you get walked on. It's just that you're like Paul. They beat you and throw you in prison. You pray and sing. Can you believe what they're planning? Out? No, that's not any peace. Do you know why there's a Walmart in every town? It's because they're going to turn them into FEMA detention camps. They're going to be pretty. Hey, relax, Beelzebub. The fruit of the Spirit's peace. Amen. 
Can you say amen? Do you know they're putting these 5G towers up? You know they're going to fry everybody's brain and, and you're, gonna, you're getting fried right now by the radiation and you don't even know. What, what would you like me to do with that information? You know, I'm, I'm not saying that none of that's true, but what do you want me to do about that? Okay, I believe you. Now what? But you just need to be aware. Okay, I'm aware. I'm being fried by radiation. Thank you. Somebody say peace. Somebody say perfect peace. If the same people in charge of the Department of Motor Vehicle driver's license are in charge of rounding us up to concentration camps, we're in good shape. If they started right now, they wouldn't get to you till 2045. And if your last name starts with S or T or later in the alphabet, you're free till the tribulation. Amen. Somebody say, I have peace. <laughs> I remember when I lived in Pennsylvania, I had it easier than you guys had in Oregon. But for the lockdown, the, the governor said, we're going to hire 200,000 contact tracers that go door to door and take people out of homes that are COVID positive. And I thought, if the government's running this. We have, two, we have almost $1 billion that we have allocated for these things. It's all going to go missing. You're not going to stop stealing all of a sudden. The money will go missing. Nobody will get hired. You people are so slow. I'm not even praying about it. Can you say amen? Everybody say, I got peace. Somebody say, I have joy. Say, joy unspeakable and full of glory. Joy unspeakable. And full of glory. Joy unspeakable. And full of glory. Gentleness, self-control, there's no law against those things. But those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another. Or be jealous of one another. The Bible says, walk in the Spirit. Then it says, live in the Spirit. Then it combines them and says, walk and live in the Spirit. If the Bible tells you to do something, not only can you do it, God makes the power available for you to do it, not in your strength, but in His strength. Put your right hand on your belly and lift your left hand to the Lord. Say, I thank you, Father, that there's no demons in this belly. The Holy Spirit lives here. I'm full of your spirit. I'm washed by your blood. I have power over all the things that used to have power over me. In Jesus' name. Now with your other hand lifted next to it, just begin to thank the Lord. Thank him in the spirit. You can thank him in English, but thank him. Thank you that I'm free, free at last, free forever. The devil has no hold on me. The devil has no hold on me. I'm not cursed. I'm blessed. I'm not under the curse. I'm under the blessing. I'm not under the curse. I'm under the blessing. Blessed in the city. Blessed in the field. Blessed when I go out. Blessed when I come in. I got a blessing with my name on it. In Jesus' name, everybody said. You, you can keep playing, Brother Tony. I want to I tell you just one thing, and then I'll leave you alone. And I got three days to... I haven't even gotten into any of the points, to be honest with you. 
But I think, I think one of the reasons people think a Christian can have a demon is they think a Christian can engage in sin as a lifestyle. Now, l- let me cover two things. Number one, there's a difference in making a mistake and yielding to sin and living in sin. I'm not saying if you make a mistake that you're out, but you better quickly repent and receive forgiveness. The theological mental gymnastics that teachers have to say that a Christian doesn't have to repent. When James said, if two Christians, if you sin, confess your sin, and he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sin. Confess it. Get, get it under the blood. But, you know, if somebody teaches you that you don't have to, that, that we all sin, why would you repent? What are you going to say? God, I sinned, but you made it that way, so that's your fault, really. The whole, the whole grounds of repentance is, I had the power available to not do what I did. I failed. I ask your forgiveness. And then if you've made something wrong for someone else, you apologize to them. I'm sorry for what I did. I should not have done that. I pray you forgive me. I've had to apologize to so many people. Sometimes I just do it for fun. When it's not even my fault. I was, I was staying at a real nice hotel about, I don't know, a month and a half ago in Manhattan. And we were checking in. And people that stay at those hotels a lot are, are kind of jerks to the staff. So there's this real nice lady. And this other lady comes up to her. Excuse me. All, the bathrooms are completely out of toilet paper. And the lady said... The lady said, I'm, I'm very sorry, ma'am. We'll, we'll get that corrected. No, at a, at a hotel this nice, the, the bath. And, and so when she went the second time, I said, excuse me, ma'am. I said, don't yell at her. I actually just went in and took all the toilet paper myself. <laughs> and she went, I'm being serious right now. I went, so am I. I said, and I want to confess to you and her that I feel bad about what I've done. I said, I've had this problem for a long time. I go around New York area hotels. I'm telling you, you asked my wife and Donna, they were there. I said, started during COVID when there was a shortage of toilet paper. And then I've never really got the victory over it. So other people in the lobby start laughing and that walks away. And the the lady went, thank you. I went, no problem. I've been apologizing for things so long. I just like saying, I'm sorry. Oh, it was me. I took it off. Amen. When the Bible says, let me find the, ex- the exact scripture. Is it 1 John 3? Is it 1 John 3? I think I got it. Learn to 1 John chapter 3. Verse 7. Who's got a, a New Living Translation Bible? You mind standing up and reading it nice and loud? I bet you'll do a good job. 1 John 3, verse 7 and 8. Verse 8. Verse 9, maybe. Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning because they're children of God. You do a good job. 
That's a tough one to mess up. Those who have been born into God's family don't make a practice of sinning. Yeah. So when you say we all sin, you're basically saying I'm, I'm, I, I'm making a practice of sinning. I'm not, I'm not hopping on people that from the platform, hey, listen, I, may, I messed up. I, I repent. I'm never going to do that again. I, I, I'm not talking about that. I'm looking at people, you know, some of you heard about some things that I've done this week. Don't judge me because I sin differently. If you start making in your confession and belief that it's okay to have sin as part of your lifestyle. Now, having said that, you should make up your mind, I'm not sinning anymore. But if you sin, not when you sin, doesn't say when you sin. It says if you sin. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, 9. You know what? Let's, let's deal with the other part. Go to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John, the first chapter. Thank you for coming out this morning. Anybody get anything out of today? Verse 8. If we claim we have no sin, we're fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. So when someone hears somebody teach like me that you can walk in victory over sin all the days of your life, the Bible says if we claim we have no sin, we're, we're being deceived. So is, is John schizophrenic? Does he say in one place, if we say we have no sin, then we're deceived? Then two chapters later, and act, actually a few verses later in the beginning of chapter two, say that we don't sin if we're saved? What he's dealing with is when you drive by people that have that bumper sticker, born okay the first time. In other words, I don't need to be born again. I mean, no, we're all God's children. We were all born with the light in us. That's what he's talking about. If people say they have no sin and they don't have to get delivered from sin, they're living in deception. If somebody says, I don't need the blood of Jesus because these Christians think God likes me just the way I am. There's nothing to do with how he likes you. If you have sin on the inside of you, which everyone's born with the state of sin, might as well get that out while we're at it. I mean, no, we're all God's children. No, we're not. Jesus looked at a whole group of people and said, you are of your father, the devil. When you're born, you're not born into God's family. You're born into sin and shaping in iniquity. And until you become born again, all our righteous works are as filthy rags. You have to have the blood of Jesus. And you say, amen. My friend that's in the second row, am I preaching anything new? No, exactly. I'm saying, I didn't make this up. I, I, I never thought... I never thought the day would come where you could preach old stuff like victory over sin and holiness. People like, man, that's a great message. I never heard that before. Did you come up with that? No, it's been around since like A.D. 50. John Wesley preached it. Spurgeon preached it. D.L. Moody preached it. The wages of sin is not unhappiness. The wages of sin is death. That's why you should make up your mind. Sin is not going to live in victory over me. I'm going to live in victory over sin. Amen. I like, I, I like that verse 9. Those who have been born into God's family don't make a practice of sinning. God's life is in them, so they can't keep on sinning. Because they're children of God. I'll tell you another thing while, while I'm wound up. You get immersed in, in the presence of the Holy Ghost. It'll strip the desire for things you used to have the desire for. When, when Abraham and I checked into our hotel Sunday night, there were a bunch of young people walking down the sidewalk, 
drunk and high. I don't think, man, I'd love to join them, but I made a decision to serve the Lord. It looked so gross to me. God's been so good to me. What's the devil going to give me better than what God's given me? I flew here on a Falcon 2000. That came from holiness, baby. Can you say amen? I didn't have Cavassier. I had Doritos. Praise the Lord. I'm living holy. I'm living for God. God will take better care of you than the devil could ever hope to. And he won't do it for five years or seven years. You'll live to a ripe old age enjoying the blessing of God. Be blessed in Jesus' name. Be blessed in Jesus' name. If you believe it, shout out, receive it. If we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sin, if, not when, if. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us of all our unrighteousness. Everybody say forgiven and cleansed. That's two important things. God doesn't just forgive you. He cleanses the sin out of you by his blood. If we claim we've not sinned, we're calling God a liar. That's pretty, I don't need to get saved. I haven't done anything wrong. You're calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. Now, look, if we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves. John 1, 8. John 2, 1. My dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you do not sin. So what? He's having mental problems? No, it's talking about what I'm talking about. Before you, need, you have sinned, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But then after you receive salvation through Jesus Christ, a great change has been made. You're born again. Washed in the water of God's word. Washed in the blood. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, not a recovering addict. The addict is dead. The alcoholic is dead. The felon is dead. The abuse victim is dead. All things have become new. One more thing for today. Go to Romans 14. I'm doing my best, sister. <laughs> Romans 14. I like you. Romans 14. 17, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. The Bible says, oh, the joy of those whose sins are forgiven, whose record of iniquity is blotted out, never to be remembered again. Brother Ben Kaufman, do you have that um, video right side up of that guy that got saved in St. Louis and gave me a hug? How'd you get the first night? You know which one I mean? Because I'll show you an example of joy. So this is what I'm going to tell you. I don't even know I'm going to share this this morning. But me and Adalas talk about this a lot. I always notice, okay, like we'll find out a minister fell, right? And when we think back, you go, you know what? Yeah, that guy had miracles. That guy was a great preacher, but he was never happy. Sin steals your joy. I can always tell. I might not know what it is, but I think that, that guy's... I don't think he's living right because he looks sad. I don't care how they disguise. I just feel a great burden of intercession. Bullcrap. <laughs> Clarita's mom's an intercessor. She's full of joy. Vivacious. Just, you know, thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. When I see people walk around like that, I know they're in sin. Something's wrong. 
Because when you live in righteousness, it doesn't produce sorrow. It produces joy. True religion is not meat or drink. Abraham, if people, if people hung out with me, would they have fun or would we cry a lot? Oh, we have fun. Even if it's at other people's expense, we have fun. Joy. Get a Dallas in Boston, too, while you're at it. Can you do that for me? I want to show you what joy looks like. The joy of the Lord. One of the things that sin does that's so awful is it steals the joy of your salvation. And when you lose your joy, the joy of the Lord is your? You become weak. You become weak in spirit over time. You become weak in mind. You become weak in body. You'll open the door to sickness and disease. Sin and sickness are running buddies. They're tag team partners. That's why the Bible says, bless the Lord, I tell myself, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all my sin and heals all my diseases. They go together. You pulled it off. Good job. Took me upon my offer to write a note and come to further religious training at his church. I told you I'd write one. I'm proud of anybody that's young that has a hunger for the word of God. Amen. Now, in this, it's, it's interesting how the joy of the Lord works because in this meeting, I've been bashing sin and wickedness and everybody's laughing. I heard Bishop David Oyedipo that has the largest church on planet earth say, if you ever hear me preach and no one laughs and I don't laugh at some point in the message, throw it out. It wasn't of God. God's not a stern, angry person. The Bible says in his presence is fullness of joy. The mark of having a close relationship with God is not looking like you were baptized in pickle juice. That's Brother Anderson. He spends six hours a day praying. To who? What demon? Anybody ever come into God's presence praying and you were burdened by something? And after a handful of minutes of praying, you felt this release of joy and victory. I'll tell you where I've always felt it. If you ever cast an actual demon out of a person in service, when the demon leaves, this joy floods into the room. People just start crying and lifting their hands. They weren't even the ones set free. God is a joyful God. Anything the devil's using that sapped your joy. Just to do plainness, I heard him say, money will make you, when you're in sin, money will make you comfortable while you're miserable. Not having a good time, not happy. Drugs lost their appeal a long time ago, but you're addicted. Alcohol hasn't given you any pleasure since college and you're 50 just doing it because you've done it. The pleasure's gone. I don't care what they put on beer commercials. I've eaten at bar and grills and seen the people at the bar. Nobody's smiling. There's no two girls in bikinis spraying each other with hoses. Never seen it one time. A bunch of people just all slumped over. Looking miserable. But man, I've been to church. Holy Ghost Church. That's where the joy is. You don't have to pay a bartender. The new wine of heaven is free. And it flows to anybody that's interested. It'll turn your frown upside down. It'll put a wellspring of joy on the inside that never runs dry. What do you got, Brother Ben? Okay, 
Now, when I say joy, and then make sure you get that guy from St. Louis while that's playing. When I say joy, this is my wife. She was in Boston last week, and she had a motorist that her and the motorist had a disagreement about the rules of the road. And this lady's flipping out on a doll. Now, if you've ever been to Boston, this isn't really a big deal. This is just two people having a, a conversation in Boston. But watch my wife, because she keeps her joy, full of joy, and her authority. I'm gonna come back out with that T-shirt that I came. It's my wife with the Puerto Rican flag, and it says, I'm saved, but you can still catch these hands. We're going to come back out with that shirt. But I thought this was a great example of the fruit of the Spirit being in operation, even in a difficult situation. So by the way, I was not there. This was filmed by a very afraid passenger from down south, where people don't talk to people like this in the south. People are very, sir, ma'am, but Boston, that, all that's out the window. They still haven't gotten over the Revolutionary War. So here's a, my, what I would feel is the best example of the fruit of the spirit of joy by my wife, Adal Shuttlesworth. Go ahead and roll it. Turn it up. I think that is, because you I don't, don't know think. the rules of the road. I don't think so. I do. No, I, I do. I do. Okay, well, get in your car. Have a great day. Have a great day. Go, 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 go. No. Get in your car and go. See, she even beeped out her bad language. And you saw her smiling. No punches thrown. Now, you're not going to see Victoria Osteen do that, I understand, but that's a, that's a dollar shuttle's worth. That's my wife, who one time was preaching and testified. She stopped drinking. Not started drinking. Stopped drinking at the age of 15. Yeah, so a little bit of a different background than me. I said, you stopped drinking at age 15. When did you start? Was your mother putting salt around the ring of the nipple of the bottle? So maybe you didn't, you didn't get raised in a preacher's home. Maybe you got raised where drinking and fighting everything was normal. Don't make any difference. You're only one prayer away from crossing over to the other side in Jesus' mighty name. Somebody shout joy! Joy unspeakable, full of glory. What you got, Benny? Now this guy, this guy was clean for 50 days and came, uh, found out about these meetings and came and got saved and I gave him my preaching Bible. Boy, that guy got overcome at the altar. Oh, the joys of those who sin. When people are in sin, they don't look happy. They, they can't hide it. They can, they can do the brother thing and suit all they want. I can tell you're not saved. My dad and I, holy moly, we laughed. My dad's a holiness preacher. We laughed. We laughed. My mom, my mom used to make me leave the sanctuary when they had this lady named Norma sing a solo. She sang opera. And the whole time she'd sing, I'd just look at my mom like this, look her in the eyes, and she'd be digging her nails in the mouth. No, don't, don't. Stop. Stop looking at me. And she'd pretend like she was worshiping. So then the next time they'd have her sing, my mom would go, get out, go stand in the lobby until she comes back. I was ejected from the sanctuary until I come back. Oh, oh, oh. 
Somebody shout joy. joy. Yeah, I hear all these preachers that need sabbaticals. Get some joy. Joy gives you strength. You know, if you go to the right kind of meetings, there's so much joy in them that you, you, you just leave refreshed. My dad and I, my dad was preaching in Vermont, Vermont. And so, <laughs> I don't know if he wants to be telling this story or not. I was uh, 20, I was in Bible school, I think, 21 maybe. And I was helping him load his vehicle up. He traveled with his own sound system. And these two ladies were waiting outside of the church. They were smoking and they were like missing teeth. I still remember they had like dirty, dirty um, starter jackets. Remember when starter jackets were in style? They had on like, like Boston Red Sox starter jackets. Or, and I swear their voice, they went, where are you guys going? So my dad and I, you know, we're like, we have like clean minds. So we're not realizing we're being like hit on. We're like, oh, oh, we're just heading back to our hotel. And then the lady goes, mind if we come? So my dad goes, my dad's so clean in his mind, he didn't even get it. He's like, he's like, no, you don't have to come. We, you know, we loaded everything up. And I'm, t- I'm telling you, this is not some story about overcoming temptation. I'm telling you, there's not enough alcohol in Milwaukee to make either of these ladies look half attractive. Missing teeth, smoking. They look like they played left tackle. The Green Bay Packers. They go, uh, <laughs> they had the same haircut as the relief pitchers for our Major League Baseball team. They go, uh, mind if we, so second time, mind if we come to the room with you? My dad's eyes. <laughs> I still remember because it took him the two times and then when it dawned on him, his eyes, he looked like John Arbuckle. Gar- Garfield's all on uh, He went. So my dad's voice goes up like eight. He's like, no, no, no. <laughs> We're okay. It's everything. We're fine. Thank you very much. He, 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 like, he like shuffles to the door and gets in. And then I don't know why we both did this, but we both like shut the doors and locked it. You know, they're not grizzly bears. Like we were in a horror movie. So my dad goes, were they asking like to come to our hotel room with us and like sleep with it? I, I said, yeah. He went, oh my God. And I went, <laughs> I said, you know, I'm so insulted. I said, that's what the devil tempted us with? How weak does he think our commitment to the Lord is? Gonna toss me last week's chum to try to get me to go to go to hell. Holy moly. We laughed till we cried driving home. No sabbaticals. My dad's preaching in Alaska all week. Full of the joy of the Lord. No walker, no cane, going up on 70 years old. I'm telling you, if you'll get rid of sin and replace it now with the joy of the Lord, you'll run through a troop, you'll leap over a wall, you're not going up and down. Get rid of sin. Replace it with righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Go ahead, take 30 seconds and celebrate it. Receive the joy. Receive the joy. No more sorrow. No more unsettlement. No more sadness. Joy. Unspeakable. Full of glory. Joy. Joy. Everything the devil said to take your joy. Receive it back from heaven.
Hallelujah. Lift both hands. Receive a fresh touch of joy. You'll never need a sabbatical or a break. You'll laugh your way to victory. Laugh in the face of the devil. Laugh in the face of seeming overwhelming defeat. You're not going down, you're going up. Joy, 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 joy from heaven. For in his presence is fullness of joy. Hallelujah. Those two women from Vermont are waiting for you outside. You're just going to walk right by them in Jesus' name. Say, the preacher warned me about you. couple of ones. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> the devil thought I had macular degeneration or something. <laughs> if I need somebody to get me two yards on fourth down, I'll give you a call. Hallelujah. Somebody say, the joy of the Lord <laughs> is my strength. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Joy. Say out loud, victory is mine. Victory is mine. Victory today is mine. Say, I told Satan, get thee behind. Victory today is mine. Now, I'm going to bring up one of the top singers in the entire world to sing that. I want you to lift your hands and just drink this joy, and we're going to dismiss you in just a couple minutes. Take this. This is yours today. Go ahead. Um, Tony said, say, victory is mine. <laughs> Thank you, Norma. <laughs> When she was born, she was the, young, the lightest, most premature baby that would ever made it out of the NICU in Michigan. Two pounds, three ounces. And because her lungs never developed right, they said she'll never be able to speak above a whisper for the rest of her life. So knowing that, this next run is dedicated to the devil for failing so badly. Because now she's able to speak slightly above a whisper. Go ahead and let it rip in the devil's face one more time. Say, victory is mine. 
Whatever you came for prayer for today, I bet you if you check, you don't need it. God preached out of you. Amen. You're not going back. This was not the Lord giving you a nice touch. You can go back to your lousy life. Everything's turning around for your good. Everything's turning around quickly for your good. In Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Was it better than social studies? All right. Glad you don't regret coming. Well, you can be seated. I'm going to give you an opportunity to sow seed. I'm going to give a gift to everybody that sows a seed of any size today in this morning service. You're going to pop the graphic up. It's a book called, uh, I think it's called Demons, the Answer Book or Questions and Answers on Demon Spirits. They might have changed the title. Written by Dr. Lester Summerall. Demons, the Answer Book. Resist the Devil and He Will Flee From You. Over one million of books by Dr. Summerall in print. And so that's a guy that casts devils out all over the globe. If you're interested in that, that'll be a blessing to you. And uh, that's my way of saying thank you. And then I don't take your giving for granted. So thank you for your sowing this week. Stand with us as we build two churches in two cities simultaneously, Pittsburgh and Fort Worth. And then uh, everything else we have going on. The Lord will bless you for it. You're being a part of practically destroying the work of the devil in your generation. Here's the ways to give. Easiest way, go to revivaltoday.com and click give now. If you need an envelope and you're here in the sanctuary, you can hold your hand up. If you're at home watching online, uh, if you hold your hand up, we cannot get an usher to you in time for the offerings collected. So please just go to revivaltoday.com. All the ways to give are there. Then individually, cash app, dollar sign, RT give. Venmo, add RT give. Text RT to 50155. If you want to give what's left in your crypto account, that's that. Then if you want to mail a check, Revival Today, P.O. Box 7, Prosperity, Pennsylvania, 15329. Please don't forget to claim your offer at revivaltoday.com. Claim my offer. That ensures that we have your address to send you the book. Because if you give on Cash App, we don't have your name or address. Then we can't send you the book. Then the next time I see you, there's weirdness between us. You have your arms crossed staring at me, and I don't know why. I assume you're in sin, and you are, because you have something called unforgiveness. So let's just avoid all that. I want to tell you, for the January intake of students at our Bible college, I'm believing for God to speak to 100 people between the age of 18 and 35 that will give their life to full-time Christian service. So our Bible college, Revival Today Bible Institute, is in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. You can go to RT. What's the, what's the Bible college address? Grab it. Abraham's going to grab it for me. 
if the, between the, you say what if I'm older than 35 you can literally go to any other Bible school Thanks, Abraham. Raising ministers of excellence who deliver the gospel of Jesus Christ in word and power. Two-year school. Do you feel the call of God to dedicate your life to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ? Do you know that while a strong biblical foundation is non-negotiable, alone it's not enough? Sound biblical training coupled with the power of the Holy Ghost is what's needed for the next generation of ministers to change this world. The potent duo of word and power is vital to carrying out the Great Commission. God has called us to open a training school to equip the next generation in fulfilling the call of God upon their lives. The nations of the world are overripe for revival. Will you be a part of it? There is the first year course list and the second year course list. And I, I would say that we also have a third thing that we couple with it that sets our Bible school apart, which is how to actually be a minister. Because, you, you know, if you go to plumbing school, they don't just shout at you for two years. We need plumbers. People need water. Amen. You know, how do you actually do it? Who pays you? How do you set up a 501c3? How do you, how do you set up a ministry? How do you dress? You know, all those kind of things. So uh, stuff I had to learn or didn't have to learn just because my dad was a preacher. But if, I, if it was Bible school, I never would have learned it. Finances for ministers. Communication and influence, that matters. Hermeneutics, homiletics. U.S. history. So that way if the government says you can't have church, you don't quote Romans 13 like a brain-dead moron. You understand the Constitution, legal rights you have as an American minister. Amen? So uh, I'm believing for a hundred of you that are watching. At schools in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, the website is RevivalTodayBibleInstitute.com. So, $2,000 a year to attend, which is about $31,000 cheaper than, than most schools. Hold your seat up before the Lord. Father, I thank you today for a 100-fold return on everything that's given. I thank you their gift will come back to them, pressed down, shaken together, and running over to make room for more. I thank you that as they're making ha something happen for other people, that something being the gospel of Jesus Christ going forth in their generation, what they're making happen for other people, you're going to make happen for them. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it and give you praise. All God's people said amen. Well, I hope you were blessed. 7 o'clock tonight, we're going to keep the night meetings rolling. These day meetings, some people end up enjoying the day meetings more than the night meetings. They have a different flow, and it's great. You people are super nice to preach to. And I meant every word I said. You're going to have the best year you've ever had. Amen. This uh, October and the end of September is not going to be a repeat of how life's been. Amen. Things are turning around beginning now. Amen. Amen. Thank you for sharing the Jonathan Shuttlesworth podcast. If you're interested in supporting our mission to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, please visit RevivalToday.com and click on Give Now to become one of our monthly partners. Thank you in advance. We hope to see you soon.